I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. Before we start this week's episode, I'd like to remind you to go to rochestercitynewspaper.com and vote for all of your favorites in the Best of Poll for 2018, including Food About Town for Best Podcast. I'm number 63 on the list, by the way. So make sure you go in and vote for all your favorite restaurants, all your favorite other businesses around town, and make sure to vote for Food About Town for Best Podcast in the Rochester City Newspaper poll for 2018. And thanks so much for being a dedicated listener. I really appreciate the support. In episode 118 of the Food About Town podcast, I had Will Cleveland from the Democrat Chronicle over to the studio. We did a deep dive into the Rochester beer scene, talked about a lot of new breweries, uh, places he's really excited about, and we also talked about some of the current news, uh, touched on Fairport Brewing, Touched out really what's what's coming up in the Rochester beer scene. You know, breweries that are just about to open up with you know larger brew houses and everything else. It was a really interesting. It's really interesting time to talk about the Rochester beer scene. Right at this precipice where we could become a destination. We talked about that as well. So if you're into beer, and we touched on local wine as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it out. Um, you can copy Will Cleveland. He's on. Twitter and Instagram, and I think on Facebook as well. Or you can tag me, Food About Town, on Facebook, at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. I had a dream, or was it real? We crossed the line, and it was on. We crossed the line, it was undefined. I've been denying how I feel, you've been denying what you Take me to the stars Just like And I've got a guest across from me. Introduce yourself, sir. Hi, I'm Will Cleveland. I write about beer and crime for the Democrat and Chronicle in Rochester. Hi, Will. We're probably not talking much about crime today. No, thankfully the two don't intersect all that often. No, not very often. And yeah, I you know I read all of your I read all your crime articles. There's there's lots of them. Yeah, one I it's it's interesting because I follow you on Twitter, and I'll get. You know, I'll get beer articles during the day, <laughs> and then I'll get I'll get crime articles at night, mm-hmm. and occasionally professional wrestling. Yep. So it's like it's it's a really interesting cross section of will. Yeah. You know, there'll be some beer pictures. There'll be some. Uh, so now we have cat pictures. Woof. But um, you know, <laughs> and dog pictures. Oh yeah. I mean, you need to have the dog photos to, oh, I mean, to come balance on. Every, it out. Everybody's all about the dog pictures. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Cats weren't my choice, but you know that's fine. So I don't want to talk about crime reporting for yeah. long, yeah. but so this is your. I think, think you said earlier, fourth year doing beer reporting, but yep. how long have you been doing the crime thing? Um, three and a half. Three and a half, yeah. so similar time for Yeah, this. so I picked up beer 
uh, midway through 2014 and then picked up crime um, early 2015. So Yeah, so I'm, I'm stealing material from the Evan Dawson show <laughs> from, from Connections from earlier today. Yeah, we had fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was an interesting uh, interesting beer topic today on Connections. That was you and Joe McBain and Yep. Um Evie Fanning from Cheshire Solera yep. and then uh, Julie Bellecki from AJ's Beer Warehouse and Rhino Craft. Yeah, it was it was an there. interesting interesting yeah, discussion nice about mix. Yeah, it was yeah. it was an interesting group. Yeah, we were kind of looking at a Wall Street Journal Wall Street Journal article. I don't know why that was such a tongue twister. <laughs> um, that was talking about you know beer consumption being down significantly over you know the last twenty years or so. Um, and that article specifically focused a lot on the big three being down quite a bit. Um, it didn't really touch on you know the growth that we're seeing in the craft market. Um, so that's kind of where the the jumping off point was for the discussion. Yeah, and I think that it, it's I see some points in there because like for me. I mean, I go in so many different phases, so I'll be really into craft beer, then I'll dive into wine really hard, sure. or you know, I started with spirits, and you kind of rotate around yeah. as you find new things and right. you're interested in something. But um, but I think it boils down to you're still interested in the craft of what you're consuming. Oh, gotcha. like you're like you're interested in you know the people that produce it. You're kind of interested in I mean you know where where it comes from and what ingredients are used and stuff like that. So I think that's one of the big points we hit on is just you know people want you know, some authenticity. They want to be able to say, you know, I can, I can go to Swiftwater or wherever and I can talk to the guy who made my beer. Well, I think that makes all the difference. And For I sure. Think, I think that is why the whole, you know, the craft industry in general. Yeah, I mean, food, all of it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, when you, when you look at the people who are experiencing Finger Lakes wines, for example, mm-hmm. Pivot Away, is because they're accessible. It's For not sure. like going to Napa where you're going to these castles, <laughs> you know, these castles of wine and right. you're paying $40 for a tasting. Right. A lot of the places here, you're going in, you're talking to one of the owners, and yeah. you're paying five bucks for a taste. Yeah, you're going to sit in their barn, and yeah, exactly. It's awesome. It's and it, fantastic. It's a completely different experience. Yep. And I think, agree, agreed, it's the same thing with craft beer. You can go in most of the times yep. and talk with somebody who's either made or is directly involved with making the product. Yep. I mean, that's that's why I love telling these stories, is that I get to highlight the people who, you know, not, I don't just get to highlight the beverages themselves. I get to highlight the people who, you know, are pouring their blood, sweat, tears, equity, whatever, into their building their dreams. So it's really fun for me to, you know, kind of introduce people, you know, my audience specifically, to, um, you know, these people who are, you know, you know, maybe it's a longtime homebrewer, or maybe it's a, a guy who left Jenny, or, you know, whatever. I mean, whatever it's just it's it's really fun for me to be able to tell the stories of these people who are you know putting it all out there and um you know going out on a limb and following a dream yeah well i think a lot of times there i mean there's a lot of characters there's a lot of characters in homebrewing because it's something you can start early Mm -hmm. and it's you know relatively low risk to start on your own you're not buying a lot of grapes you're not breaking any laws by home distilling right and you know it's it's pretty low rent to start. Absolutely. And it's an easy yeah. way to ramp up. Yep, absolutely. Because uh, one like one of my curling buddies, he does he does home brewing. He does like, oh yeah, I'm doing a New England IPA right now. Right. I'm like that's that's one fantastic that you're experimenting and trying different stuff. Mm-hmm. Who knows how well you can make it at home or not? But it's it's great. It's yeah. it's fun I mean, to try different at, stuff. At, at, at its at its core, you're probably going to produce five or ten gallons. So if the beer sucks, you can dump it. Yeah. You know, or you can just give it to a friend and say, hey, look what I made. You should try this. Yeah. Probably for that friend you don't really like, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he sometimes he brings some into the curling club and maybe some of the rough batches. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Who's to say? Um, and I, it, it's interesting because every, every place I've been to has a completely different story. Absolutely. And the, 
like I just ran into it randomly. Uh, one of the guys in the place I just started my job at, he's one of the new co-owners of the place that used to be VB. Okay. Out in Victor. Yep. Twin Elder. Yeah, Twin Elder. I, I haven't been out. Yeah. And somebody posted like, oh, I'm going there, going to this guy's place for my like retirement thing. I'm like, wait a second. This guy is a place. I search for yeah. it. And I'm like, wait a second. He's right over there. Yeah. So he co-owns that place. Yeah. Um, they're two really nice dudes. I'm excited to see. I haven't been to. I haven't been there since they've renamed um, yeah. in the last month or so. Um, but I've, I know they've put a lot of um, a lot of money and a lot of uh, time into like renovating and redoing that entire place. So I'm excited yeah, to see what it looks like. I saw the pictures. Yeah, the, it, the pictures that Chris sent me. One of the co-owners, Chris Thomas, was, yeah. were were really nice looking. So looked yeah. like a, just a nice, relaxing, cozy place to hang out. Yeah, we were, we were briefly talking about it's it's it looks like another great you know neighborhood brewery. Yeah, which has kind of been one of the big trends of the last couple of years. Absolutely, are for lack of a better word, saying it, neighborhood breweries in this one and a half barrel size, maybe a little sure. bit more, somewhere you know, maybe up to like seven or even ten barrel. But it's it's these places that are super hyper local and concerned with you know making enough beer for for their, their tap rooms, and then being concerned down the road with you know maybe distributing or maybe just you know. Sending kegs to ten buddies of theirs, you know, something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, that's certainly an admirable goal. There's nothing wrong with being a good neighborhood location. No, I mean that's that's where the growth is. It's really hard for breweries at this point to break in and become, you know, like a regional brewery. It's really hard. That's that's where they say that's where the hardest spot is to to um, to compete. Right at this point is is to become a regional brewery. You know, to become like that brewery that's sending beer to multiple states. You know, to to make beer, say, you know, like like Great Lakes and Cleveland or something like that. You know, they're sending beer throughout throughout the Midwest and then some of the some of the Northeast. And you know, they've been around for thirty years, so they've got a head start. So it's really hard for places. You know, you see like Young Lion just that started up last year. You know, and they're making beer on a on a pretty pretty good sized system. And right off the bat, they're built for statewide distribution. You know, the new Stoneyard location will be exactly the same way. Well, let's talk about Stoneyard for a second because sure. that's been that's a project that's been going on for a long years. time. Years. And I mean, Stoneyard was I don't know the best way of describing it. Stoneyard seemed to be on the, the you know the new wave of craft brewers. Yep. And Making some of the best beer in the roster area too. Absolutely. Easily. And they're they're part of the new wave of craft brewers. And it seemed like they had this they had this moment where they were like, Oh, everybody wants Stoneyard stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like capacity they ran into capacity really quick. Yeah, well I mean at when when they started, you know, they I think they first beer came out in mid-2014 for them. You know, be- before they before they installed their own brewery, you know, they were contract brewing through CBs down in Honey Falls. Right. You know, so they had that rock hard and the rock harder, um, you know, the IPA and the double IPA. I'm not sure I ever had um, it before then. Yeah, they, they were they were fine. Okay. Um, and then they started making, Oz and um, Seamus started making their own beer in uh, mid-2014. Um, might have been April of 2014, but anyways, it was 2014. And they were making beer in an elevator shaft in this old uh, spot on Main Street in Brockport. Um, you know, they somehow they fit among on multiple levels. They fit a two and a half barrel system, and it was just like this is just looks like a nightmare. And I'm, I mean, they were pumping out <laughs> amazing beer there. You know, I mean, coconut cream is still one of the best local beers I've ever had. Yeah. And um, what, you know, what is it? What is it specifically about that beer, by the way? Oh, it's just. I mean, it's 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 a it's a gimmick that just works beautifully. Yeah. I mean, it tastes like a liquid dessert. You know, it's a coconut 
you know, cream ale, um, you know, made with made with an obscene amount of toasted coconut and, uh, you know, just like the traditional Rochester base, you know, the Rochester classic beer is a cream ale. So like Oz and Seamus taking their spin on that and doing this uh, coconut version. So it tastes like a liquid mounds bar. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah it sounds um, awesome. I know they're going to come out with a bigger batch of that uh, fairly soon. Awesome. Um, might even be packaged. Knock, knock. Um, but um, so, yeah, they kind of ran into this spot where they were making a lot of making as much beer as they could. But, you know, anytime you would go out to Brockport, you know, you might get two, four, maybe even just one of their beers on draft. You would never see a ton of it. And so they got to the point where um, they started contract, or not contract brewing, gypsy brewing. So Oz would go to Trip Hammer in Fairport and was making some of his beer there. Nice facility, by the way. Yeah, very nice facility. Yeah. Right next to Iron Smoke Distillery yep, exactly. out there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really cool old building there, the old American Can Company building. Yeah, I thought they did um, a good job turning it into a space that's very welcoming. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yep. Scott, Scott does a nice job out there. Good design, and uh, that's one of the <coughs> regular beers we get at the Curling Club is Trip Hammer. Cool. At least last year is like the standard IPA at the club. And I got to say, for a standard IPA, it's just really solid. Absolutely, without question. So, yeah, so Stone Air was making their, making, Oz was making his beer there. And for about the last six months or so, uh, Stone Yard hasn't been making any beer. So there's wow. been, like, no Stone Yard beer in the market. Um, the only Stone Yard beers you've been seeing have been, like, collabs that they've done with other breweries. Like, you know, you've seen a, um, I think they did some with Rock, they did some with Barrier Downstate. Um, so they finally got to the point where this past week where they have their new 30 barrel spaces up and running and they had their first two brew days last week. So um, two or three weeks from now, beginning of October, you should see a lot of uh, stone yard kegs out in the market because they're already signed for distribution through uh, TJ Sheehan. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how the market reacts, because right off the bat, they're designed to send beer to a lot of upstate New York, and I know they've also um, signed with some distributors down in Pennsylvania, so they're going to send some beer all over the place. So and, they're yeah. going for it right away. Yeah, I mean, they have to. Um, I mean, with a 30-barrel system. Yep, they have to. Um, they're they're right off the bat. They're designed to put out, like, eight to 10,000 barrels. So, I mean, it's it's a significant amount of beer. Going from no beer to a good a fair amount of beer is going to be all, really, the, all the beer? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun <laughs> to watch. You know, I mean, right off the bat, they're going to become one of Rochester's biggest craft breweries. Yeah, so I mean they're they're coming in now size wise, just for context. So size wise, they'd be similar to what Three Heads has. They're about uh, thirty as well. Yep, they're a thirty barrel system, um, uh, uh, thirty five barrel system down at Young Lion. Yeah. Um, so take for reference, like the Genesee Brew House uh, that Dean Jones brews on is a twenty barrel brew house. Um, Rohrbach at at the Bulk Market there in Railroad Street is a twenty barrel system. Wow. Um, so yeah, they're. The thing that sets Three Heads apart is they have bigger fermenters. So Three Heads has you know a much higher ceiling, so they have ninety barrel fermenters. Um, Oz they have uh, sixty barrel fermenters out in Brockport, so six of those. So. Yeah, so I mean they're they're coming in right at the tippy top of our craft beer mm-hmm. section yep. here in town. Yep, they're they're gonna they're going for it. That's but, the you one. Know, I mean that's that's been their their slogan for forever is we don't do small. No. So that's gonna be fun to. Uh, I mean, I know the first two beers they made were the Ellsworth IPA and then the uh, Everyman Pale Ale, which they've now rebranded as an IPA. So they're um, it used to be an orange peel uh, Pale Ale. I'm not sure if it still has orange peel in it, but mm. um, so they'll do some can releases out there. And, I was yeah. say, I assume they're I assume they're canning. Oh yeah, they're gonna do some mobile. I don't know if they're putting their own line in or. Uh, they don't have a canning line yet, but that's down the line, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. So look for a story. I'll have a story in the next few days hopefully about this yeah. I mean, this might not be out until later but yeah this, this will um, probably be out of, I'm, this one's a little more evergreen yeah, yeah. Uh, perfect yeah so but, i mean that's yeah you know just look for my coverage on democrat and oh look at that yeah. see like that how i worked that plug in and get your yeah. subscription to the democrat and chronicle yes really cheap too we just finished a promo for um 
Labor Day that was like a dollar for three months. It's um, it's really yeah, cheap. I mean, we did a we did a special at the beginning of the year where you could do a digital subscription for ten bucks for the entire year. So yeah, I mean, um, every everybody yeah, bitches so about it for whatever reason. We've got we've got dedicated journalists here at the DNC. Yeah, I would like to have people support my job because I'd like to work here for a lot longer. I think that's a fine thing to yeah, look for. You know, it's good to have goals. Yeah. <laughs> And yes, we, we know you don't want a newspaper. You're listening to a podcast. If you don't want a physical newspaper, just subscribe online. There's a lot of yep. good content. Yep. I would appreciate that. And no, nobody else is doing My the mortgage kind of, appreciates that, you know. Yeah, nobody else is doing the kind of dedicated like even food and drink writing. No, I mean the I mean, stuff that's it's, it's me and it's me and Tracy, uh Schumacher, our, our food writer. I mean, I don't I mean I know some of the other local publications do a really nice job, but I think we do it at a at a bigger clip and a higher level than they do um, yeah. you know with beautiful photos and video and uh, we, I think we go a little bit more in depth than a lot of places so um, yeah I think we've built a really cool brand between Tracy and I I mean no. I know she works her ass off and Absolutely. Does, does fantastic work and um, you know she started actually her uh, food coverage about the same time that I picked up crime coverage so it's oh, kind wow, of that, that's of, right it was yeah. about that same time yeah so Weird to think how things have changed in the last three or four years, but yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of getting established and everything else. Right? Yeah, reestablished. It's been fun. Yeah. So, <sighs> so yeah, I'm, I think Stoneyard's an interesting test case because it's yeah, you know, Three Heads has kind of turned itself into the staple beer of Rochester in a lot of ways. When it oh, comes absolutely. To craft. I mean, when when you go when their their distributor Lake does a great job. Who are they with? Right? No, they're with like, um, and I always forget who signed with which distributor. It's just way too complicated and confusing for me to keep track of i'm but, sure um but it seems like every bar you go into even if it's not like a craft beer type mecca or a place you know you're going to find the kind on draft and um you know more more times than not it's going to be fresh which is really cool um so it's nice to have you know it's kind of like the, the two ipas i always see on draft it seems like are the kind or i see you know big ditches Hayburner. yeah are kind of like the the two like kind of rochester they've turned into like the the, the staple IPAs. I mean, even though obviously ones come from Buffalo, but yeah, but I mean, so, I'm n- yeah. I'm never I'm never uh, feeling bad when I see Hayburn. No, I'm always either. happy to have Hayburn in my glass. I love that brewery. Just really yeah. solid from top to bottom. For Everything sure. about it. Yeah, it's a great brewery, great brewery, great people. Yeah, nice nice yeah. balance, and that um, yeah. it comes in a reasonable what six and a half percent, and pretty yeah, um, somewhere in that range. But I mean, it's just a you know, it's a ten ninety nine six pack. I mean, how do you get mad at that? No, the kinds the same way. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. so yeah, I think. I'm interested to see the Stoneyard stuff because it's weird. You, you're like, oh yeah, they were they were hitting all of these on trend notes, yeah. almost before a lot of other places. Oh, they were locally. setting they were setting a lot of the trends in Rochester. I mean, yeah. they were they were one of the one of the first, if not the first, to do a New England style beer in Rochester. Um, you know, if they've tackled big barrel aging, they've done some really cool barrel aged sours. Um, yeah, some some really fun fruit beers, and uh, you know, even that lilac wheat they do is is. Not really my cup of tea, but it's still well done. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's that's an interesting point in of itself is I think it is kind of important to be able to take your taste out of it and say, hey, this is well done. Yeah. I mean, I can. Even though I don't care for it. Right. I can appreciate a cleanly fermented, well constructed beer, even if it's not my favorite style. Yeah. You know, I think for, so. for me, I mean, I mentioned it the other day, but like, you know, Elgash White, you know, a wit beer with the Belgian yeast. Oh, I love that beer so much. I, I, I it tastes like chapstick to me. Fair. And it's like, oh, I just I can't get over it. Yeah. And all right, it takes, it's, it's clean. Yeah. I can taste that it's well made. It's a classic beer that's been around for twenty four years, and it's a brewery that that nails every single Belgian style they do, and it's become like this American classic almost, which is really cool to see, like a a, a brewery that does like all of these things that are off trend, 
and is just so relevant and amazing because they've built this brewery on the strength of Allagash White. Yeah. yeah. It's some, something so it's so specific in yep. a, a relatively small market. I mean, Portland, Maine's a smallish market. Yep. And to have established at a national scale under that is yeah. really something. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Really cool people there, too. Their brewmaster, Rob Todd, the founder is just a really cool dude. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, another great, you know, beer area up there in Portland. Oh, Portland's I mean, it's, amazing. It's really, it's yeah. what a cool little town. Yeah, for sure. Um, every time I go up there, one of my buddies from college lives up there. And if I go to Boston, we do a little side trip. Nice. But, you know, amazing walkable city. Yep. With, you know, you've got breweries outside of town. Yep. You've got Bissell right at the little train station. Mm-hmm. And it's all, all these all these places right in one area. Everything's so accessible. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's it's a great city. Really interesting. Yeah. When I think that's when people are talking about Rochester right now, first, you know, when you're talking about it, you're talking about all these little places popping up mm-hmm. all around. What what are some of the newest ones that have opened? Um, like that excite me or that, um, uh, just newest ones open. Then I we'll mean, talk about the, the newest ones have been, uh, Mortalis down in Avon that everyone's, everyone's freaking out over. Yeah. Know, it sure seems that way. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, so my buddy Zach and I, who's the general manager over tap mallet, we went down there three weeks ago. I mean, they've only op- been open since mid mid August. Oh, and, really? It's, yeah. Um, it's weird. It seems like I've heard about them well, for a long those time. Those guys did a great job of, um, kind of almost building this buzz by, Every time they would homebrew, they would package it and they would just give it to people. Yeah. Like, like you know, they're doing super tiny, small batch stuff, and you know, not keeping a lot of it for themselves. But they would say, like, I would get message from those guys from time to time, like, "Hey, we got a six pack of new beers that we just did. You want to try them?" I'm like, "Heck yeah, of course I do." Yeah. Um, and all the homebrews we had from them were were amazing, and so they opened in mid August. Um, they were one of those uh, grant winners from the Bruin Livingston competition. Oh, beautiful! Um, so they got. Uh, about thirty-five thousand dollars in straight state grant money was part of the state hunger games. Oh, that's fantastic! Um, so yeah, so they Good got for them. Yeah, like then they got like uh, there were other perks that were included, like you know some small business loans, and um, there was like admission to the New York State Brewers Association for a year, and um, like plans with help with de- developing a business plan and stuff like that. So they were the first brewery that's opened. Actually, sorry, I should say the second brewery that's opened um, since that competition was completed with the first being uh, Battle Street Brewing down in Dansville. Oh, wow. Um, Gee, and, I didn't even know Dansville had one. Yeah. Um, wrote about them in March. Okay. So, yeah, they're uh, it's a renovated train station, old train depot. Um, it's like, I think, it was, I think I remember this right. It's 90 feet long by 24 feet wide. And <laughs> so the, the one guy who's a co-owner there um, made his living um, before this. Um, still does. He lives down in Florida. Um, he helped design, like, some of the exhibits and and themes and stuff like that at uh, Walt Disney World. Down. Oh, so, very cool. Um, so you go to Battle Street, and they've paid attention to every single little detail, and it's really beautiful inside there. And uh, Denny Bohr, the guy who's making their beer, is a longtime homebrew buddy of mine and uh, makes some really super solid, um, really good stuff. Yeah, it um, sounds like it should be doing like a little southern swing there. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going to drive all the way down there, you can go hit up uh, Railhead down at Hornell's making some really good beer. They've been around for... Wow, maybe almost four, almost four or five years. Yeah, um, yeah. Wow, they've been around for a while. You know, at the north end of Steuben County there. Okay, and there's some great stuff down on uh, on uh, um, you know Steuben Brewing down in Hammondsport over over on Cuca Lake does some really cool stuff with especially with some New York State ingredients. Um, Chad, the brewer there, 
does some really cool a really cool job of highlighting what what you can do with New York State ingredients that most people you know wouldn't try. Um, let's you know, let's yeah let's talk about that for a second because yeah. that's that's a challenge a lot of the farm licensed breweries exactly. are running into right now. Well, is especially because it's going to jump up on January first uh, of twenty nineteen. So coming up in a few months too. Um, it's now it's now where it's twenty percent of your ingredients have to be New York State ingredients, not including the water. Right. And so on January first, it, it jumps to sixty percent. That is a huge yeah, jump. Yeah, it's crazy. And then it's two or three years or four years, whatever, down the road, it jumps. It eventually jumps to 90%. Yeah. Um, so my colleague and I, a guy named Joe Spector, who's our um, bureau chief in Albany, um, for Gannett, Albany, um, we did an article last August about the growth of um, New York State uh, agriculture kind of as as a supporting industry to uh, beer. So we looked at, you know, some of the maltsters that have popped up, like there's 1888 maltster uh, malt house over there in the Syracuse area. Um, it's in an old, is it Shell Oil Refinery, I believe? But anyways, it's it's massive, and it's make, making, um, you know, killing malt on a, just a, a big craft scale that we haven't seen, um, you know. And then, you know, you know, have like New York farm malts over in Batavia, and then there's Pioneer Malt out in Chilai, Gates area. Is, it, is the that the thing that's really... That's what most people are going to be using is mostly New York State malt. Um, I think they have to. You think? Um, they're so. And I know Cornell's been working on it to kind of see, like, to kind of improve the variety of hops that are available in New York State. Because a lot think, of them are proprietary. Yeah. You know, from Pacific Northwest, they just can't be grown here because they're under license to a, a certain number of farms. Yeah. Um. So you know, you have like your traditional New York State hops that are like you know your. Columbus and your Chinook and your Willamette and Magnum and those kind of like the the seas the old school seas like Centennial and stuff like that and I know there's like uh, Crooked Creek Hop Yard down in Addison um, it, doing some really cool interesting stuff with hops like Michigan Copper so a hop that was developed in Michigan but it's now grown here and kind of has some of those for lack of a better term some of those sexier attributes to the hop right um, I know like uh, Dan over at Three Heads, or not Three Heads, I'm sorry, Dan over at Lost Borough uh, made a Michigan Copper IPA that I really enjoyed. Um, and like I was saying, like Chad uh, Zimar, the brewer and owner down at Stuben, um, uses a lot of local malts and local hops because I'm not sure if they're a farm brewery, but they, they must be with the amount that they use. But like he did like an all New York State Pilsner that was awesome, like an all New York State IPA that was really great. And so there's you you see like breweries that are doing really cool stuff with with some of the ingredients that are available to them. I mean, you look at a brewery like uh, Plan B in in Poughkeepsie, and you know they're a farm brewery, but they're a farm brewery in a in a, in a different sense of it because they're actually operating a farm. Okay. So he's making you know it's it's Emily and Evan Watson, really cool couple. Um, <coughs> excuse me, that are making uh, wild ales. Which I mean, that that's the kind of thing you have a lot of opportunity with. Here. Exactly. So they have like a twenty-five, thirty-acre farm, and <coughs> oh, excuse me, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um, and you know, it's all um, malt and stuff that's grown on their farm, hops that are getting from other local places. And, I'm, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna let you drink water for a second. Yeah, thank you. I so know. I think the interesting thing about that is because you don't have to rely as much on the hop flavor. And you can really you can rely on all the cool agriculture we do have here in upstate New York, all the different herbs, all the different you know vegetables, anything else you want to use in a, in a product, and you don't have to rely on the hops for the flavor. Which you know in an IPA centric world, that's what we have. You have you have to rely on these exotic hops from you know you know South Africa and Australia and all mm-hmm. these other places, New Zealand, yep. all these places with these exotic hops. Well. We have other ways to stand out. And I think that one, 
you know, wild fermentation and other mm-hmm. flavors you can bring into it. Yep. I mean, why not? Yeah. Um, so Plan B is doing some really cool stuff with, you know, they made like a, a pickle beer, a pickle sour that was awesome. called Pickleback that was, shouldn't have worked as well as it did, but it was fantastic. You know, I just had one a few weeks ago that was might have been the best sour I've had from them um, called Amore, and it was a strawberry sour with strawberries that they either grew on their farm or was from a neighboring farm. Uh, I mean, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. I mean, why, why shouldn't we use, I mean, imagine if in the last couple of weeks somebody took the, you know, New York State peaches, which were really good this year, mm-hmm. took, you know, great New York State peaches and made a sour out of it or made something else out of Plan it. Plan B's done that. They have a, a peach sour called Pitts. That's fantastic. I mean, you can and get peaches, like, for, like, dirt cheap prices right now at the end yeah. of the season, and you can just stack them in. It's it, What a cool idea. Yeah. I love so that. So it's been interesting for me to watch, like, it seems like a lot of the breweries that are opening now are kind of avoiding the farm brewery license just because it does restrict the the types of ingredients they can use. Um, so you see more of um, places getting like a dual license. So like so like Other Half, for example, that's going to open in, in Bloomfield, East Bloomfield there, um, will have a dual license. So they'll have both a farm license and a uh, craft brewery license, which is the license that allows you to sell you know pints in your tasting room. Okay. You know? And then the farm brewery license was kind of enticing to people because it's a little less paperwork it allows you to have um what they call satellite locations so you can open up to five like satellite tape tasting rooms oh really um yeah and then I the didn't farm, know about that part. yeah and then the farm brewery license also allows you to sell other new york state products so other spirits ciders wines oh that's um, huge yeah so that's like so when you see like swift water um uh, with their license you know you'll see like ciders from embark or or from uh from um uh, defisher you know from uh uh, rootstock, rather. Right, man, um, right. You then know, you and then can we'll have see like spirits from um, Obegley out in East Rochester, or you know, or, black or button wines. in the city. Exactly, yeah. precisely. Yeah, that's yeah. well. That's I. I didn't know that because I always saw it. I'm like, oh, that's. It's interesting that they have the license, but that's part of the whole deal, which yes. is very convenient for this symbiotic growth. You know, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's local supporting local. Yeah, which I mean, it's it's for the best when it comes to all that stuff. And I think your your the point you brought up that. You know, Cornell's working on this. That's what I always thought was going to happen. Is yeah. there was going to be some innovations, and I knew it was going to there was going to be some pain moments coming up when you have to get past the sixty percent towards the ninety percent mark. There was going to be some pain moments where people are going to have to learn to be more creative, like you're talking about. Uh-huh. Um, but I think in the end, I mean, something will get developed. You know, through Cornell and through some other enterprising. Yeah, people. I mean, the problem is those take you know those take a long time to, you know, I mean, th- think about if it's an apple variety, you know, that takes ten plus years for it to yeah to take root. Um, you know, with hops, you know, it, it takes like three years until you have a good yield on a certain crop, and you know, I mean, that's not even cu- counting like some of the uh, some of the testing they have to do or some of the you know trial and error and stuff like that. So. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch, but I don't think it's as big of an issue as people think it might be. Yeah. Um, because like, as we showed in the article we wrote, and this was, you know, over a year ago, and I'm sure these, these numbers have gone up since then. Um, there's a lot more, um, New York state malt and a lot more New York state hops grown hops than, than were previously available. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting, I'll be very interested to see those places evolve Mm -hmm. over time. For sure. Um, I think we're going to do, we're going to take a break. And we're going to come back and talk about some of the stuff that is exciting you. We're just talking about newest stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about Mortalis a little bit. We'll talk about other half. Talk about Fairport. Oh, sounds good. All sorts of fun, fun, juicy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, I just lost everything. 
Did you really? Yeah, I just lo- I just lost words. You just, lost. I just lost words in my head. Oh, I thought you said you lost the file. I was no, just like, no. The file, the oh. file's great. I, oh. I, I wasn't great. I just okay. lost like I lost the ability to close out the first oh. half of the podcast. I'm sorry. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> so um, that'll we'll, give me a second to stretch. Though. Yeah, we'll be right back with Will Cleveland from the Democrat and Chronicle. During this short podcast break, I'd really appreciate it if you haven't already. Go to RochesterCityNewspaper.com, vote for Food About Town for Best Podcast in the 2018 Best Of poll, and also vote for all the rest of your favorites on the list as well. I know they appreciate it, and I certainly do as well. And now, back to this week's podcast with Will Cleveland from the Democratic Party. And we're back with Will Cleveland of the Democrat and Chronicle newspaper organization. Yeah, DNC Media. Is it DNC Media? Is that, is that what it's um, called? That's what my business cards say. And that's what okay. the, the outside of the building says. I think that's like the overarching property now at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, part of the USA Today Network. Yeah. I, I, every so often from, our, from the roof of my startup, I can wave over at you <laughs> and say, Hi, Will. <laughs> Tuesday nights. Okay. Yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, it's yep. four to midnight. I'm sitting in that newsroom usually. Yeah, because I'm. Yep. Uh, we do our startup meeting for right. frankly over. Think I now we're on the sixth floor of the Sibley building. Okay, well, you're looking right at us. Yeah, so we're yeah. we're all the way up now. We can go yeah. on the roof and everything. Cool. Which are, you guys have a rooftop too, right? We don't have access to it. No. Okay. Um, there's a third floor that's never that's been under development. I don't know if they're if they found a tenant or what. There's what's going on there, but no, we're only on the first two floors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know how high up the whole thing went. It's only three floors. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in the break, we were talking for a second about some of the recent, uh, writing that Tracy Schumacher did about some yeah, lesser known wine places. She's been crushing it. Just doing some, um, I mean, she did a story the week before of, I think it was what, 48 wineries you need to visit or something like that. I mean, that was really just well done, really exhaustive and really, um, well researched. And I mean, she's dove in really hard and I've been really yeah. impressed with the, yeah, the she's, depth of what she's doing. Yeah. And then, um, she did one this past weekend. Um, so middle of September, it would have been, um, it was about like, was it 10 places? I can't remember if it was 10, but it was just like all these really cool under the radar, um, wineries and, you know, looking at Nathan Kendall and some of these other places. Yeah. I mean, cause that's, as soon as you mentioned that, I'm like, Oh, I, I have it on my list to read this week, but those are the kind of places that I've been loving telling people about recently. I mean, the stuff that Nathan Kendall's doing over at Hickory Hollow, not only with their label, but his, his label is just yeah. Some really special stuff. Yeah, some stuff I really need to explore. I've been so so devoted to beer that I've kind of overlooked some of the wine that's in this region. So yeah, I'm excited to uh, to dive in there and find some things that I'll that I'll that I'll dig. Yeah, I think the the one you brought up was um, natural fermentations, things like pet gnats. Yeah, that tends um, to be more of what I like, just because yeah. of, like that that funky and dry and kind of has like that that barnyard funk that um, you get in some like some true. Belgian wild ales and some some more American examples, but um, I really like the wines that kind of mimic that. Yeah, they're the uh, Petillon Naturals. The the one I had over the weekend, um, my wife and I went out to the east side of Seneca Lake, okay, and we did sort of we did like five places along that during the day, and the place that really exemplified that was Bloomer Creek, which okay. is right next to Stone Cat Cafe mm-hmm. on the east side of Seneca Lake. Their um their pet nat was notably funky. Yeah, that's that's one I've I've had. It's um, it's assertive. Was, yeah, it was cool. Um, the nice thing is it's not 
it's not just like, hey, that one may be a bit more challenging, but when you go through the rest of their menu, I think it, this is where you see what natural wine really can be mm-hmm. with their the balance. I mean, that one, I don't want to say it's out of balance. I think it's just a bit too much. Fair. Because you, you don't taste the great part of it anymore. Okay. The other ones on the list I thought were really spectacular from the Riesling to what I think the star of their lineup was the uh, Gewürztraminer. Okay. Gewürztraminer is a very challenging. I just love saying Gewürztraminer. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds great, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, the fun German sounding grape. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the, the cool part about Gewürztraminer is that it's so, the grape in of itself is, it's almost like, like, like strong floral perfume. Okay. So if it's made improperly, it's nearly undrinkable. Interesting. To my palate. Okay. Because it's so perfumey. Mm. And what the natural fermentation it added this base note to the whole thing. Mm. It restrained the high notes of the floral and it balanced it all out. So it was like just a fantastic complicated bottle. That and sounds it was delightful. And it's something that's the natural fermentation can do all these different things. For just sure. like in beer. For sure. It can provide just intensity of funk and weirdness. And sometimes it can just make for just a little complication to a to a style. Mm-hmm. Depends on the yeast that are in the environment. Sure, exactly. Um, and if you look at a lot of European styles, they're naturally fermented always and forever. Mm-hmm. And I think like Bloomer Creek's Pinot matches that. It's got different body. It's got a, that funk in the end, mm-hmm. but it still carries that Pinot mentality. I need to get down there. That's it. Might be your place. Yeah, it's really cool. Nice. Um, I've heard really good things about. Is it Ryan Williams? I, I it maybe yeah. I haven't been there. Um, heard really good things about them. Okay. Um, him, them. Um, yeah, we yeah, we so. we went. We, we did five on that side of the lake, and cool. that's right over there too. Nice. Um, but for whatever reason, it wasn't on our list this time. Yeah. But there's so much, just so much to explore. There's so many. Yeah. Like we did five, and it's like you can only do so many. Yeah, you want to get home safely. Yeah, I'm also learning how to how to um, not swallow all the wine I'm I'm sure. tasting. Um, yeah. Pretty challenging, actually. I'm sure to do it to do it well and actually taste it. Yeah. Have you done that with beer during competitions at all? No. So like the the last competition I judged was the New York State Craft Beer Competition. Yeah. Um, the state's biggest craft beer competition. It was you know like 650 entries from 125 ish breweries, and um, I think we judged. So the table I was on, we did 93 beers for the entire day, but everything was poured in you know three or four ounce samples, and um, you do would like a like a ounce or two at most of each beer. I mean, yeah. I think there were only two samples I finished the entire day, so um, you know it was, it was just a tiring day. But there was no point where I was you know inebriated. Yeah, and I think there was the same thing when I did the spirits competition here in town. Mm-hmm. We tasted 120 in two days, mm-hmm. um, but it was that. Hey, I took tiny sips of everything, and yep. I thought it was important to get that. I don't know for for you when you're doing yeah. the beer. I think it's important to get that whole the whole feel sensation. Of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, spirits are a little. It's a little different because you're that it, the finish has such a such a big characteristic. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, it's important to get the whole experience. I think to really judge it appropriately. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, I was just nerding about about wine, but <laughs> I, I think it's it's a cool time to be exploring the wine region just as it's a cool time to be exploring the craft beer scene in Rochester. For sure. Because it seems like we are teetering on the edge of turning into a destination brewery 
Yeah, a destination beer city. Um, it's, 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 it certainly seems I think way. I think we're getting close. Um, I I still I've said this multiple times. I think Buffalo beer on whole is better than Rochester beer. Um, you know I look I've at said that about of, restaurants as well. Yeah, I mean I would look at like the top six or seven Buffalo breweries. I think are better than the top six or seven Buffalo Rochester breweries. That is. Yeah. Um, so I think the overall quality is better. I mean, there's still bad beer in each city. Um, and there's terrible beer in and around Rochester, and you know I'm. That's kind of one. If you read my stories, you'll, you'll notice maybe I'm not really writing about the beer as much as I'm writing about the people. <laughs> or, you know, like a keyword could say, hey, I described the beer as solid. Yeah. Um, that could be, a, uh, you know, maybe this is a place we should, uh, yeah. you know. It's okay. Um, yeah. No, but I'm not. But I think, it, I think for one, um, I've, t- I've been to any number of breweries that were not good. Yeah. And over time, they have gotten notably better. Yes, I've been impressed with the growth of a lot of the breweries. I mean, you look at a place like Knucklehead out in Webster. Yeah. Um, and I think their beers, when they opened, were all fine. They were all just kind of boring. You know, not nothing wrong with that. You know, like a, a standard Amber Ale, it was just really well done. Scotch Ale, that was really nice. And I think they've become a little more creative, a little more imaginative, taken some more risks. And I think their beers have grown exponentially better um, in just the last two or three years since they've been open. Um, I think the same thing for Lost Borough. Um, yeah. they've, got, they've gotten a lot better. Um, Dan's really hit his stride and is making, you know, every every beer he's coming out with now. It's it's really been fun to see how consistently good he is. Yeah, the uh, stuff I had out of cans from there were just just really solid, absolutely. good stuff. Yeah, I was thrilled when we had it at the Corona. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to give this a try because I'd I'd been in before and I had I had struggled with my experience there, to be honest. And I had that stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is this is really good stuff. Yeah. Dan, I think Dan will tell you too. He's, he's grown in his craft. He's grown more comfortable in what he's doing. And, I, uh, I love yeah, that. It, you know, you know, familiarize himself with the process more. Not familiarize himself, but become better at his process. Yeah, I, I love uh, that. I love seeing that because it's it's hard. Anytime you're going in to judge somewhere, anytime you're going in for an experience, and you don't get what you're looking for, you tend to go. You tend to be assertive about it, and you try. You try to give them the benefit of the doubt and hope that they're going to make improvements. But a lot of times, hey, it's, it's honest. This is where they're at right now. And then they've got, you hope they have the support to continue and get better. For sure. And that's, that's all you can ever really hope for. I, I never hope for anywhere to fail. That's something I always kind of kind of kind of hope there's some there's some people I hope they would fail. All right, but, all right. Um, I, I'm, but, I'm, but weirdly, but weirdly, they haven't yet. So I, I'm I'm trying um, to be. You know, I'm, trying I'm, I'm throwing those vibes out in the universe. And it's like uh, <laughs> we need less of you jerks and more of these nice people. But I, I'm trying um, to be nicer than I actually am because yeah, there's, there there are definitely restaurants that I don't enjoy and I don't think should be open. <laughs> um, but there's you know by and large for places that you know aren't offensive to me personally, I hope that they succeed. Even if they're not doing well right now, yeah, I hope they do better and they they you know, put out better products. It makes for a more vibrant community. So yeah. there's no there's no sh- there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it's an honest way of talking about it because yeah, I mean, I'm I try not to be too negative in print. Um, I'm more than happy to have these conversations in person with 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 brewers and owners. You know, when they ask for honest feedback, and I'm more than like. Happy to say, you know, I just didn't really dig this, and here's why. You know, I thought this, 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 and this were were really bad, or um, for these reasons. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm just writing stories about people that are, you know, investing money and and doing something crazy, and you know, it's not my place to to say, hey, I hope you guys fail. Um, it's my place to introduce people to these businesses and um, you know, kind of show the people behind what what what's happening, what makes Rochester cool, or yeah. what makes Rochester progressively cooler. Yeah, 
it's before we pivot to talk about the breweries for a second, it, it brought up an interesting point in my head that you know I, I do try and patronize patronize new places for sure and give them a shot and see if there's something that's worth talking about either on the podcast or you know writing about or even just social mediaing about. Just hey, you're doing something cool. Let's highlight this. I went to a place not that long ago. I think we just got it was a takeout pizza we got from a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. They they did so many things right. Mm-hmm. And then it, they did so many things wrong <laughs> all at the same time. And they were like, oh, this is notably good and notably bad all at the same time. <laughs> and it was the kind of thing that if 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 I went in in one direction, I could just be, I could just maul them for doing something wrong. But I didn't doesn't seem like something you really want to do. I'd rather... That's not constructive. I'd rather contact them around you know, the back channels right. and say, hey, I thought you did some stuff really well here, but I had this experience. You might want to look at this because I think you've got something interesting going on here. For sure. I enjoy that a lot more. I just think it's a nice, a better way to deliver honest feedback. Yeah. I don't need to stand on a social social media, you know, pulpit and scream, you know, this place is shitty and I hope they do this, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't do anyone any good. No, um, I you know, so. I'm more than happy to like people contact me directly. You know, even readers will say like, you know, we're thinking about going to this place, this place and this place. And I'll be like, eh, I would kind of skip that place, but I think this place is cool. And this place is really close too, and it might not be on your radar, but I think that's worth checking out. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of those places now. Sure. So you mentioned Mortalis before. Yeah. That's uh. I mean, Upstate is, I've seen Upstate buzzing. Like, I've seen posts in the Buffalo and Syracuse Facebook beer groups really? um, about how excited they are about Mortalis. Um, That's crazy. So, how so big like, are they? They're small. They're a five-barrel system. You wow. know, So they were actually closed this past weekend. Um, you know, we're in the middle of September here. So they were closed so they could produce more beer because they're selling so much and also to instil- install some new steel, so some new um, fermentation capacity because they've they've made so many people happy and so many fans so quickly that they just needed to have a chance to like kind of catch their breath again and um, catch up to what's going crazy. So I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. So like the lead of my article for this one was um, these guys, um, it's Paul Grenier and then Dave Luckenbacher, longtime homebrew partners. And then their lovely wives are with them. um, Gretchen and Missy who are both awesome. And then um, another buddy of mine named Josh Bauerline um, is they brought aboard as, as one of their brewers and then they have another co-owner who's a longtime friend of Paul named Jason Kiefer and um, so they're they're kind of doing things like opposite like the way the way things are traditionally supposed to work is you know you're supposed to open with you know these these styles that kind of show your your technical mastery so you know you open with the with the cream ale or a pilsner or whatever you know something that you know simple simple beer that's well constructed just to kind of show that you know your basics of brewing and these guys kind of were like you know screw that and they decided that they were going to open with like just the weirdest assortment of beers you could possibly think of you know so they had a, a sour raspberry ipa they had a which i uh, tried yeah. really good very good i had a yeah. sample of it over at yeah. the uh, somebody brought a crowler over to the only place nice over the weekend very i cool. happened to be there even better and man that was really yeah. something um you know they had a uh a nutter butter uh chocolate stout um, wow yeah uh milk stout 
that with the so you know super peanut buttery. They just came out with a uh, a golden gram coffee stout, a golden stout called Icarus that was really cool and shouldn't have worked as well as it did for being <laughs> over ten percent alcohol. Wow. Um, you know they opened up with just a whole assortment of um, New England IPAs. Uh, like I said, a sour IPA. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, um, that was the raspberry beer. There they yeah. um, they had just like. So I mean, even even like their beer that should have been like the most traditional, they opened with a cream ale, but it was a strawberry cream ale for them, you know. So they're they're doing things a little bit differently, but they're finding out that you know, like I was saying, they built a lot of buzz through handing out tons and tons of homebrew and kind of making fans organically that way, and then they also kind of wanted to be this place where people would line up for beer, what they call line culture. Mm-hmm. You know, you see it in like, you know, with Treehouse and in Massachusetts or other half in Brooklyn, you know, or some of those other big name breweries, you know, like Monkish out in California. You know, you see these other half here in Rochester. Yep, soon to be. We'll talk we'll get to that. Oh yeah. But um and uh so they wanted to have make these beers that that were so buzzworthy and so hype worthy that people would line up for them so like i said i went down there with zach clicking while my buddy from tap mallet a few weeks ago and we got there at eleven thirty on a sunday and we were 30th in line wow so we were just like we were like you know they're selling three crawlers of the beers i think they were a two crawler limit so each person could get <laughs> two crawlers and i'm just like i'm sitting there with zach i'm like do we really want to sit and wait in line for crawlers or just want to go and drink beer so we just kind of cut the line and went in and started drinking beer while everyone else was waiting in line. I'm just like, cause I don't really, you know, I just, I came, I drove down to Avon to drink beer. I didn't drive to wait in line for crawlers, but I completely understand why people yeah. are waiting because the beers are really cool. And, um, they're they're super super promising um this brewery so i think they're going to be one of the breweries that are, people are going to maybe start traveling from out of the area to to visit you yeah. know and they're only 23 minutes down the five and 20 from from where our other half will be yeah especially yeah. with the it, the creativity i think is the interesting part yep, absolutely because when you're really pushing it i think that's it's something to be lauded and something to be careful of because you have to keep up with that all the time too you have For to sure. push that yeah. all the time because nobody I mean, people are going to want the repeats of those, but yeah. really, people are going to want the new stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's yeah. you. You set a high bar for yourself right away. Yeah, but I mean, those guys are going to embrace it. Um, they're they're excited for it. Like, um, one of the best local beers I had this year was uh, uh, Josh does a really really cool homebrewed coffee stout that they scaled up and it's um it's an imperial coffee stout that they made with the finger lakes roasters uh jamaican me crazy coffee there okay. which is a really divisive coffee to a lot of people i was gonna say um but to be honest works. that sounds terrible yeah but it's got like you know it's got like this the spiciness and the um kind of like the rum that you get in the coffee um added to this just beautifully fudgy thick uh, stout base and it just works it works way better than you would expect it and okay. they, just, they crushed it and um, I know that's a beer they've 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 kicked so I think it'll probably be back it's a, it'll be a versatile beer they'll do some fun stuff with it like, like let's do a double coffee version let's do a coconut version and let's yeah. put it in a barrel for a while um, so it's gonna be a fun beer to see how that progresses very but cool. that's been one of the coolest local beers I've had this year nice oh so that's more talus yeah then we've got Get excited um, obviously what's popped recently was, uh, you know, fifth frame here in Rochester itself. Yep. Fifth frame has been crushing it. I um, mean, absolutely. John and Dan make some really, really cool and really fun beers. And, um, unlike Mortalis, they've actually, I mean, fifth frame has a lot more capacity. Yeah. You know, they have a 10 barrel system. And, um, so they're able to lager beers, um, you know, which takes much longer to, to cold age and to, uh, to condition. So fifth frame has come out with a, a series of lagers that have shown kind of their skills. And, but 
Um, also, like Mortalis, they've come up with some super weird stuff that's really worked really well. Um, you know, with some some Sunday IPAs, um, you know, with waffle cones, and uh, there was a mango passion fruit version that was really cool. Um, and there's been a whole series of, uh, of like they called up series, like their juicy pale ale series, um, which are I think pretty pretty consistent throughout. Yeah, have, from all the ones I've tasted. Yeah, I've I've not not enjoyed one of them. Um, yeah. And for me, co- coffee beers are some of the more for me palate polarizing. Yeah, because I've had so many coffee beers that just I couldn't enjoy because the coffee flavor wasn't good. Yeah, I and mean, I have to say, you get a lot of like. A lot of beers have like that acrid, like bell pepper, green pepper characteristic to it that just really detracts from the beer. I mean, it's um, that stale coffee flavor and right. stale bad coffee flavor that's hard to get away from because it really needs to be fresh. And I thought the for me the beer that captured that the best so far this year was their brown ale that Foca. They oh, made. that was delightful. I thought it was outstanding yeah. because it tasted like real good coffee. Yeah, yeah, and they, they nailed it tasted. That one. It's just really well made. Yeah, um, it's not surprising that they would do a coffee beer well. You know, having the having the coffee background that Wade has, and um, you know, so that didn't surprise me at all that they that they crushed that. I'm excited to see what kind of coffee beers they come out with in the future. Absolutely, I keep telling them they need to do a charged up, so they need to do a coffee IPA. Ooh, but let's we'll see what happens. I mean, they. I remember when I had them on before they had opened, they were talking about it. But I think it takes a specific kind of coffee to do that the right way. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been some really interesting coffee IPAs. Like Collective Arts just came out with one in the last few weeks. They worked with some, I think it was a Brooklyn coffee roaster. Um, came out with a coffee IPA that I thought worked really well. And, um, there's been some ones that have been bad, but on the whole, there hasn't actually been a lot, I don't think. Yeah, I think if you got the right the right coffee, you know, like a bright African coffee, you know, like sure. blueberry-laden right. uh, Ethiopian coffee, that could work. Yeah, absolutely. Judicious, of course. For sure. Everything in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. So... So we got fifth frame. We got them. Yeah, I mean, those are those are some of the big ones. And then yeah. of course, fifth frame has been my the beer the beer that's excited me the most recently. Yeah, I've been yeah. I spend a fair amount of time over there, and I've I've enjoyed just about every time I've been exactly. There. Um, and then you've got the big news, of course, your other half, which has been yeah, it's been percolating exploding. for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, news broken in mid July that they were actually late later July, um, that they were coming to the old Bloom, the old Nedlow spot in East Bloomfield. It's over there in 5 and 20. Yeah, uh, I mean, beautiful facility. Yeah, it needs a lot of work. They're doing a lot of work in there because the, the way it was, it's a beautiful building, but the way it was laid out was 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 kind of baffling. Okay. Um, like the brew system was, was nice. It was a nice 10-barrel space, but it was kind of crammed into the one corner of the building where it didn't leave much room for for expansion or, mm. or for um, kind of flexibility. And, you know, there's like a, a staircase in the middle of the brewery. Um, so they've been, I know they've started some demo last week and uh, started moving in some fermentation tanks last week too. Nice. So, yeah, they're getting there. Um, last time I talked to them uh, over the weekend, they said they were still waiting on federal approval for their, for their license to operate that space. And it's thought that once uh, federal approval comes, state approval will come pretty fairly quickly too. Just because I think the state wants to see this place succeed. I mean, you see what they did with uh, offering the uh, tax credits. Um, yeah. To over five years there, I think it was four hundred grand in, ta- in tax credits. Oh, I'm not sure I saw that. Yeah, I mean, it was a. Uh, they the state said I think that other half was going to spend one point five or one point eight million somewhere in that range, um, which I wouldn't shock me if that number's low. In improvements. Um, 
no just investment in general yeah. yeah i mean i don't know if i don't know if that state number included like the future construction of some of the buildings they want to they want to put up on that property or yeah. um you know just the renovations itself or what what's going to happen but yeah i mean that's that's the kind of news like when it when it broke i was like i was i just got back from montana so i was i turned off all my phones and i'm like you know screw this i'm just gonna sleep in tomorrow and you know i wake up and i have like my phone is just going crazy i'm just like i'm just like oh shit this broke didn't it oh yeah and i got a text from uh, matt monahan the ceo of other app he's like all right let's do this i'm ready i'm like oh fudge i'm like so i had to really scramble to get that up and uh but it was really cool because i was the only journalist they talked to for about 36 or 48 hours that's awesome yeah so built uh, a really nice relationship with those guys they're really awesome and um yeah, so got that got that up, and uh, it's kind of the the thing that has the potential to really make Rochester into a destination. Like I had to kind yeah. of explain to my editors, like you know, like you know, I've written some pretty big beer stories, you know, and but this is kind of like the one that's that people like people aren't gonna give a a, a rat's ass about you know like a brewery op- you know like a five barrel brewery opening in whatever Wayne County or whatever, um, you know that's not gonna have any like kind of ramifications for anyone in pennsylvania or or southern ontario or massachusetts or whatever and other half is kind of the brewery that's opening that has the potential to really drive a lot of people into this area um you know jenny's kind of the gateway and they've done a really good job with reinventing that brand with with the introduction of the brew house in 2012 but um other half has the potential to really be that that national player that really gets people excited and that's why i think a lot of people are like i mean the question i feel the most is hey will wants other half opening and i just tell him i have no idea yeah, yeah. well i think because i think that is the interesting part of it is it could be the bellwether for beer tourism in rochester for sure i mean it's, it's because there's the it's base the only- is building Yes, I mean it's 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 already. I mean the base is already built. You yeah, know? I mean it's it's the only brewery that would be open here. That I mean people nationally might know about Genesee, but you know when you boil it down, there's they're a huge brewery, but they're only a regional brewery. I think they're not available in every single state. You yeah. know, but you know other half is not producing beer on the Genesee scale, but not by any stretch of the imagination. But you ask someone in you know Seattle, Washington, if they've heard of other half, and they're going to say, "Well, yeah, of course I have." You know, yes, them if they've heard of Genesee, they may say, "Oh yeah, maybe." You know, maybe I've heard of the Cream Ale. Um, you know, you ask someone in Sweden if they've heard of other half, and they'd be like, "Oh my God, yes." You know, they they wouldn't necessarily know about Genesee. So this is like the first brewery that's come into this area that has like an international reputation. Yeah, and it's 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 massive. It's so exciting. Well, I mean, it it was obvious when we had you know four hour lines three times here in Rochester for <laughs> can releases. Yeah. And it was, there was, I mean, I already knew, I mean, it's hard not to. I mean, the, the dedication of the Rochester beer community yeah, is absolutely. kind of a, th- it's a thing. Oh, it's definitely a thing. Um, but I think that surprised the other half guys a lot too. And I know that as, as soon as they saw the, the first line, you know, stretch down Gregory street and go up, go up uh clinton past mccann's and past the cub room yeah and they're like like holy toledo holy cow like this is this is something we need to need to investigate i know they started looking at spaces pretty pretty quickly like they were um you know they weren't anticipating opening uh, another brewery they were thinking about what they were 
doing what they were calling a branch office. Right. So they wanted to have like a, a tap room and then have like, you know, a, a big walk-in that a big cooler facility that they could store cans, you know, just to make it easier for them if they want to do mobile can releases, you know, in Buffalo or, or wherever, you know, so they wouldn't have to keep constantly shipping stuff up right. from regional Brooklyn. can depot. basically. Exactly. Yeah. So that was the original plan was to call, to call it a branch office. It would have, you know, just a kick-ass tap room and, you know, they would, they would draw drafts from a lot of places that you wouldn't expect to see on draft and roster. And, um, then they kind of got introduced to the Nedlow space and they saw like what a deal that was for, you know, they, they got, they bought a multi-million dollar facility, um, you know, four acres of land for, for $660,000. Wow. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's re- regardless of any issues they had with the space itself, it is, you know, the build out was beautiful. Oh yeah. It's a gorgeous facility. Yeah. Uh, you know, with those huge big windows in the, t- in the tasting room that look out into the hop yard and, um, you Just know, the, from way the, road. Kind of, the way it's kind of like built into the, almost like the, not really a cliff side, but like built into the land. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, I mean, that's a beautifully constructed building. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, using that is, it's a great piece of discussion from them in New York and every, anywhere else. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be wild. I'm, I'm interested to see what the timeline is. Um, hopefully get some more information from them later this week. But um, I think they're going to be open sooner than people think. Yeah. I think the last couple things I want to talk about. So you mentioned the Genesee Brew House. Mm-hmm. And I saw recently that you had gone out to Buffalo to check out the Labette Brew House. Yeah. So, I mean, for people who aren't familiar with it, um, Labatt USA, um, you know, the the – importing arm of Labatt um, is separate from the Canadian Labatt, which is owned by, you know, Anheuser-Busch InBev. Um, so Labatt USA is owned by the same parent company as the Genesee Brewery. So it's all under the North American Breweries umbrella, which is all under the, um, all under the, the oversight or the under or whatever, all under the umbrella of uh, Florida Ice and Farm Company, which is a Costa Rican uh, beverage company. Um, so I think this has kind of been in the works for a while, you know, with the Genesee Brewhouse being open for the last six or seven years. Um, well, six years, 2012, um, they've kind of seen like what a, what a gateway it serves into the brand. Like, it's not like you can go to Genesee and say, Hey, I want to do a tour. You know, they're not going to take you through, you know, the 14, 15 acre campus and show you like, you know, this is from the sixties and this is from the 1940s or whatever, you know, it's like, they're not going to show you the new pieces from the $50 million expansion and renovation and, uh, modernization they just completed. Um, it's not really set up for that. So they can't really, you know, I've been lucky enough to do some tours and they do offer them from time to time. But so the Genesee brew house has kind of served as this way to introduce people to Genesee beer that might not be familiar with Genesee beer. I right know. And then you also have that beautiful view of high falls, um, right, hard to beat. Yeah, exactly. So, I think Labatt in North American breweries has kind of seen what the Labatt, what the Genesee Brewhouse has done for Genesee. Um, excuse me, just in Rochester. So they've kind of come up, come up with the idea that hey, maybe we should try this model in Buffalo, which is the number one uh, American market for Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light I by, think, by yeah, a no, wide margin. I was going to say number one with a bullet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. So I mean, it's. Weirdly, even though it's not American beer, it's kind of considered to be the Buffalo beer, which... Yeah, which, no doubt about yeah. it. Um, so they partnered with the Pagulas, Pagula Sports and Entertainment, you know, the owners of the Sabres and the and the Bills there, and then also, um, you know, operators of the uh, that big 716 restaurant right next to... Uh, Right next to uh, the hockey arena, there. That's um, right. That's um, right. So they they team with the Pagulas to build this place called the Labatt Brew House. So it's got a ten barrel pilot system um, that'll be run by Ryan ba- Ryan Brady, who used to be um, 
Dean Jones' assistant brewmaster at Genesee. Oh, beautiful. Um, and then it'll have like a small tasting room. And then the other part of the building is what they're calling the draft room. And that'll be the restaurant that's operated by Pagula Sports Entertainment. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So I know I've uh, been kind of working on that for the last few weeks. And they said they're going to have a, a focus on local. And uh, I think they're going to have like 30, 35 taps there. So they'll have great. Like, like, yeah, you know, so one of the things that'll surprise people is they'll come out with a little bat goza, you know, stuff like that. You know, beers you would expect to see <laughs> yeah, with exactly. a little bat name. It's so. weird. It's it's weird here in Rochester. You're like, it, it became really normal mm-hmm. to see all the different you know brew house you know, brew house labeled beers yeah. that are coming out. Like They're all creative and chocolate interesting. Chocolate caramel, salted caramel, uh, whatever the yeah. porter they did, or the you know the dark chocolate Scotch ale. Yeah, it, like it beers you wouldn't expect. Open. We wouldn't expect for Tennessee. You know, yeah. who's who's known for you know red eye light and uh cream ale yeah, yeah. and that that, that so chocolate caramel of... porter kicked the doors open oh hell yeah and then everybody um, expected genesee beer to be interesting and different yeah i mean they've done a bit of that with you know like beers with like the ruby red Kolsch and or the you know the reintroduction of oktoberfest and the genesee bach and that um, man that the, the bach was the you know the bellwether but that yeah it was, it was. amazing how much that Coles just exploded this oh, summer. Yeah. It I was mean, really the way something. they were able to sell fifteen hundred barrels that fast. Um, pretty wild. It but was really yeah. Really so impressive. I think Labatt's hoping the Labatt USA people are hoping that um, the Labatt Brewhouse has the same potential as the Genesee Brewhouse, and it's kind of hard to see them failing when you know you have all put this Pagula money behind you. And yeah, I think the the press release I sent said they're they're investing fifteen to twenty million dollars. So wow. Um, yeah. So I mean, Labatt USA moved their headquarters to the third second floor of the building, and then Pagula Sports Entertainment has the fourth and fifth floor of this building that they're using. So. Um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see. Um, it'll also be interesting to see how they play along with uh, other local Buffalo breweries, you know, because they'll technically be a, a Buffalo brewery at that point, even though, you know, they're, the, the blue and blue light are still coming from Canada. Yeah, because uh, it's, kind of it's kind of a different, I mean, obviously Genesee has a different reputation here yeah. than a lot of large breweries do in other cities. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have a brewery that's been around for 140 years, but they've also done a really nice job of making themselves, a f- you know, the friendly big brother by opening up their labs and, you know, inviting other local breweries to participate in sensory panels and off-flavor tr- off training. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Labatt doesn't have that basis in Buffalo because there's no Labatt brewery in the U.S. You know, it's still coming from Canada. Mm. Yeah. All right, so... One last thing, Fair because point. I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't, <laughs> actually, I'm two, because I was, okay. they actually lost my mind, so we're, let's okay. talk about Fairport. Okay. So, Fairport Brewing. Yeah. Located. Now, well, on, that, uni- now on University Avenue. Now on University Avenue, which is yeah. weird, but Very. the place that everybody knows about was their, was their, their tap, yeah, tap room. tap room right on, right on Main Street, and, you know, like the crossroads of, of the village of Fairport there. Yeah, it's um, right so at the corner, live music, big yep, porch. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Kind of where it was patio, like, yeah, so food trucks all the time. Yeah, it was yeah. a hangout space. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I look at it this way. The last time we were there, uh, my girlfriend and I went there. It was, you know, a, a Sunday in the middle of the summer, and we were the only car in the parking lot, but the place was packed, you know, because everyone bikes and walks there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, they've they've had a bit of a turbulent turbulent year um, with um, – First, with the proposed um, renovation of their historic tasting room. Trying um, to expand, right? Yes, exactly. Try to make it uh, not only uh, bigger, but also taller. Okay. Um, a little bit taller by adding like a second floor um, like uh, deck area type thing. Um, so that's that was turned down multiple times by the Historic Preservation Board in, in, in Pen, or not Penfield, in Fairport. Not surprising, and I suppose. No, because they said it didn't fit the character of the building, which um, it didn't really. Yeah. So, um 
so you know they kind of went back to him and said hey can you try and do this this and this and maybe we can get this to work out and you know every time that that tim garman and fairport came back it was uh something that didn't really fit the the renovations or the revisions that were offered to them you know because the village was trying to make it work so um at least they were saying from the village perspective from the politicians i was able to speak with that they were you know the public officials i spoke with that they were really trying to work hard to get this to work for not only the 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 village but also for the brewery because i mean fairport's economic development arm still owns the building where fairport's tasting room is well they don't own it they own the mortgage on the property interesting so they I didn't sold know it, that. yeah so they sold it to them in 2016 wow um so they you know they hold the mortgage so you know they're they're basically paying rent every month right they've got um, some vested interest in exactly that place doing so, well. yeah so they you know they have a, a business that's been a hit you know that's become kind of part of the village fabric and you know since they opened in 2012 um, so that that's that's kind of like one of the areas where you've seen a bit of um, of turbulence. But then the other big one has been um, kind of the divorce of uh, Paul uh, Garancini and then Tim Garman. So Tim owns fifty one percent of the company. Uh, Paul owns forty nine percent. Paul was also the head brewer okay. uh, for the brewery, and so Paul filed the lawsuit um, earlier this month in September to get basically because he's been trying to work out a way to. Um, get his his money back to kind of get a buyout because he left the company in 2017. I think it was October of 2017 when he left. Um, you know, he he sent he said, you know, Tim, I'm done. And then four days later, Tim sent him a letter said, you know, you're basically you're fired. Oh boy. Um, yeah, that was part of the lawsuit. Wow. And, um, you know, according to court documents, I should yeah, of say. course. Um, so there's this lawsuit that's now filed um, in Monroe County Supreme Court, and that's uh, pending where Paul's asking for. Um, either this payout that he wanted um, that he thought they had agreed on um, that was part of their original business agreement. Um, I know originally he asked for 200 grand um, then it came down to a hundred grand. And he said, you know, I think it's a, a stipulation in their contract between the two of them or their agreement that this money had to be paid in 90 days. And, you know, I mean, not many businesses have that kind of cash just laying around that he can pay it out. Right. Quickly. Absolutely. So um, they weren't able to reach a settlement that way. So I think the, Tim or Paul decided that the only way for him to potentially get some of this money back would be to file a lawsuit, you know, to see if he could get some of this money back or to see if the company would dissolve. Man, that's, and that's, that's, it's tough because it is a place that, you know, obviously, as you said, has been a, you know, it, it was the, I don't know, in a lot of ways, kind of the prototype for the, you know, for that neighborhood well, it was brewery. The, it was Monroe County's original farm brewery, too. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was a lot of those things and very popular in, very popular in the town. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been some other controversies around. Yeah, the, some of the stuff that's mentioned in the lawsuit, um, some of the issues on social media. Yeah. Um, lose my voice again for some reason. <laughs> Apologize for that. <coughs> oh, holy cow. Yeah, you're doing good today, man. Yeah, I was doing all right until this. Um, maybe too much talking, but, um, <laughs> you know, there were some issues on social media where um, Tim allegedly was pretty antagonistic towards a customer who left a less than stellar review of the brewery. Yeah. Um, so that was called the Facebook incident in the uh-huh. lawsuit. And then there was the fluffy IPA incident where, which uh, one sounds, sounds very, sounds odd. It's, it's the fluffy it's, incident. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, just the, the na- <laughs> that it was called that, um, you know, it sounds like some, I don't know, terrible HBO show or I don't know, or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, that was where they came out with this beer that kind of, Gave them a little bit of buzz. It was this New England style IPA called Fu- Fluffy. Um, it was actually it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And yeah. then they, for some reason, they sold some of it. And then within the same day where it went on sale, uh, Tim allegedly decided that 
the price needed to go from sixteen dollars a four pack to twenty four dollars a four pack. Yeah. You know, without you know consulting Paul. And, Perfect. Um, that led to a lot of uh, negativity directed their way on social media. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, yeah. that's that's some pretty shady business practices right there. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. interesting because you look at you look at all these hyped breweries that have demand. Yeah. And I mean, a great example if you look at you know the history of demand around you know places like the Alchemist or Treehouse mm-hmm. or any of these other places. Yeah. They could charge, they could have, like, Treehouse could charge twice as much as they do for cans. They could probably get pretty darn close. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty close to twice yeah. as much. I mean, you mean you look at other half and trillion, and, you know, they're, they're charging 20, 21 bucks a four pack, and people don't even bat an eyelash at that. Right. But, you know, when you try to, try to gouge your customer like that, you know, and, and see, oh, this is selling really well. I can make some more money off the, right off the bat, you know. Right. And people are already, like, a little reticent to spend $16 a four pack for something. You know, and you're gonna make it 24 without any notice, and you know, to people that are already in line or whatever. I mean, that just that just made a lot of uh, a lot of enemies for them. That yeah. I think Paul was very disappointed and, and tried to uh, allegedly tried to talk to Tim on a few occasions to uh, say, "Hey, this is this is not right. You know, we need to remedy this." Yeah, especially if you're trying to make a bigger mark in the in the region. I mean, yep. that's I mean, they they wanted to be a brew that would lead that would be able to produce enough beer to lead to wholesale. Yeah, uh, was one of the stated goals in the lawsuit. So. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, moving into the city and brewing out of yeah, you know, and then university. there's been, you know other issues with their uh, over the over the use of the Fairport Beverage Company, which is the apparently the the name of the company within the company. I it's, I don't know if it's two separate companies. I'm still confused about <laughs> it. That that's responsible for the Timbucha, the kombucha line. They oh make. yeah, yeah. That, that was too. also that was also part of the lawsuit, saying that you know saying that Tim you know confused customers and when he allegedly took. Um, you know, I gotta say, crime reporter. Me, I gotta say, allegedly. I appreciate um, that. You know, when he took the, he was using the Fairport Brewing logo on this kombucha that you know was utilizing the brewery's assets and the brewery's equipment to make that. You know, Paul was like, "Well, I don't see any of the, I don't see any of the proceeds from this." Um, Ooh, that's so. Yeah, yeah, and there were also some allegations of a hidden bank account, and awesome. so I mean, there was a, there's a whole lot of stuff to be determined there, and it's going to be fascinating to, to follow. Yeah, I'm sure. So, and then you know, and then you look at. Uh, Paul's opening his own brewery in the city called yeah. Sacred Beer Works, and it's a quarter of a mile from where Fairport's new space is on the University Ave. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, geez, I it's didn't right, hear about right, that. Right by the corner of uh, uh, Culver and East Ave. It's on uh, Sager. The name of the street is Sager. It's like a little alley. Okay. Um, it's like literally right behind like where Living Roots Winery is. I was going to say really close to here, so I mean, that's, uh, yeah, somewhere else I'll be interested yeah. to check out. So I wish them the best. hope they make some killer beer. Very cool, man. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing is I can't not talk to you about Southern Ontario beers. Yeah. Because every still every time I see you, it's you're tackling the newest, best, and latest and greatest from Bellwoods and Oh man, that's my favorite brewery on the planet. And I mean you know that you've, you've I do. brought back beer for me. You know how much I love that place. And i having gone there, it was really fantastic yeah, stuff. They nail every style. I mean um, I, I was just I there went, a few weeks ago. I hope to get back up there in a few weeks because they're doing a big festival. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, also it's it's such a great drive. It's yeah, it's not bad at all. Um, but like, I keep a list on my phone of like all the places I want to check out. Um, there's a bunch of places in Hamilton that I've been to recently that have really um, made me happy that I've visited. Um, you know, Collective Arts is there and they make fantastic beer. But I've also been to uh, Merritt and Grain and Grit and Fairweather, all in Hamilton, are making okay. some really good beer. Well, um, I, I love that too because Hamilton. I used to go there as a kid to uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats football games. There you go. And it was a, you know, it's a, 
it's not a city that was doing particularly no, well. But it's kind of, I heard one of my Toronto friends kind of describe it as Hamilton's kind of turned into the Brooklyn of that area. Kind of like <laughs> the Brooklyn of Toronto. Yes, because it's, you know, it's, you know, 45 minutes away from Toronto. Yeah. And it, but it's, but it's much cheaper to set down roots there than it is in wow. Toronto. You so know, I, I never, I never thought of it that yeah. way, but that makes a ton of yeah. sense. So, you know, in the same vicinity and, um, kind of the same idea, you know. You see a lot of creatives setting up in, in, in Hamilton, so Hamilton's become pretty cool. Interesting, it's becoming cooler uh, progressively. Jeez, I yeah. never would have thought about that, and that's yeah. that's really interesting. And then perspective. a bunch of bunch of new Toronto places that I've checked out that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, the last few times. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's one of my one of my favorite things to do is to go up there and spend the day and you know see how many places I can hit up and yeah. yeah the la- the last time we the, the wife and I went up, we did that with food. Yeah. And it was, oh yeah. boy, that was a yeah. day. Yeah, I bet. We hit, jeez, I think it was five places in an afternoon. I remember seeing your post about that. It was crazy. Yeah, that was awesome. And it's, you know what, it's it's hard not to when you go up because... Everything's right there. Toronto's three hours away. Yeah. And it's I mean, a real city. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's an international city. It's amazing. And it's got yeah. everything from fantastic breweries to fantastic restaurants. Yeah. But... I think we're done for today. Yeah, I think we've covered a, almost too much. I think we did. Yeah. So... Where can we find your writing, Mr. Will Cleveland? Um, well, I can be followed on Twitter at WillCleveland13. Um, Cleveland spelled like the city. You can also find all of my work at DemocratAndChronicle.com, um, you know, both the newspaper and online. Um, so I appreciate all of the support and patronage and all of that stuff. So I appreciate all those people that keep supporting my work because it keeps me employed and allows me to have a lot of fun. I love it. So, Will, thanks for coming over, buddy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you stop coughing tonight. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but <laughs> I'm just going to go home and eat a bowl of cereal and then uh, chug some beers and I'll be fine. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a real adult. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming over, buddy. Later, guy. See you.